Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and I'm here today with Liza Wahlberg, Michael Yashinsky, and Zev Duckworth, students in the Yiddish Book Center's Steiner Summer Yiddish Program. Now in its fourth decade, the Steiner Summer Yiddish Program is a rigorous seven-week course in Yiddish language and culture. Many alumni of the program have gone on to become Jewish teachers and scholars, curators, translators, heads of cultural organizations, and cultural leaders. Welcome, Zev. Thank you for having me. It's a delight that you were able to cut loose from the Steiner Summer Yiddish Program for a few minutes. Um, so I, got, I have to ask you, what drew you to Yiddish? Um... Well, it's a funny story. Um, it was not, I didn't intentionally stumble, I, well, I didn't intentionally, I wasn't intentionally drawn to Yiddish. I stumbled ac- upon it at university. Um, basically, in my first year, I had the option, because I was doing a, a joint degree, I had very limited amount of lessons of classes I could take mm-hmm. between the different departments. And... Uh, the Hebrew and Jewish studies department were very lenient in my choices, and they said I could do pretty much whatever I wanted, as opposed to the French department, who are very strict and um, structured. And I thought, well, why not do Yiddish? There's, there was an option to do it, and then I, I did one year, and it was, it's, I feel like suddenly everything made sense. In what way? Well, I was raised in a. Baltashiva family. So when I was born, we were very religious um, until we moved to Israel, and then we became very secular, which is, was a bit weird, but um, that was something that very much resonated with me in Yiddish literature, is this dichotomy of this binary of religious and secular. And then on top of that, I, when I was growing up, I lived in a quite a multilingual environment, um, so obviously in Israel we spoke in Hebrew, um, and when I moved to Amsterdam, I started. I went to a Dutch school for a brief moment, and I did. I spoke Dutch as well. So then when I started learning Yiddish, it seemed to be kind of like a marriage of all the things I already knew, and it. Yeah, that's what I mean by everything just made sense. Something like all of my different interests and different components of my identity, my negotiated identity, one might say, mm-hmm. I found in Yiddish. And you mentioned in your bio before you got here, all of the students wrote bios, mm. um, that you were looking forward to being part of a, quote, speech community. And I wondered if you could explain that to me. Okay, so in the past, I have been to several Yiddish, cor- well, I've been to two Yiddish uh, summer courses, and I was in a beginner's class, and I audited an intermediate class and a Yiddish literature class. And the teachers of the year-long classes were very adamant uh, about speaking Yiddish. Mm-hmm. So we always were, we would always be speaking Yiddish. There was nothing. The very, very seldom did we speak any other language. Um, but often there was a, a big age gap between participants so in a lot of the classes and in the summer courses there were lots of continuing education students so a lot of people who were not in the same age bracket as I was and had already established themselves had lives of their own were doing this as a like a fun pastime uh, like just uh, uh, doing it slightly more out of for nostalgic reasons I feel and 
then in the summer courses they were it was very intense and often we would speak in yiddish and it w- it would be um but it was for a very concentrated amount of time there was two three weeks and then over wi- and done with uh and that was with the people who who wouldn't go back home to wherever they lived and take care of their grandchildren before coming back for the next day so this the steiner program was is really interesting in that it allows people of a very well not very narrow but a more a much narrower uh age range to come together and learn Yiddish together and then in that way and also the living situation where we're kind of always on top of each other and we're and we're learning Yiddish it's acts as a stimulus for us to actually start speaking Yiddish to each other and which we now do it's not we don't we're not always speaking Yiddish obviously because that's none of us have that kind of fluency but there it's very clear that there is a drive and a mo- m- motivation in I think most of us to communicate in Yiddish and uh, that's that's what I meant by speech community mm-hmm. actually having developing relationships that you might continue on afterwards and in which you might con- with which you might conduct in Yiddish. That, it's interesting that you speak about that because in the years that I've been here, um, which are not numerous, um, it's been interesting to see alumni connecting with one another because mm. it is a small universe. Yes. And the opportunities to engage, you know, on an intellectual level, on a scholarly level, or just to have the ability to communicate with one another on day-to-day things, is yeah. um, it's great that you, you create that bond in that community mm. and it, it seems to continue on. Yeah, which is um, the other programs I've been on have been very good in what they in what they are. Uh, language and literature, we learn lots of language, we learn lots of literature, but there isn't that same community feeling. It, it's very, it is very much like a summer course whereas, as opposed to a summer experience community type. Which uh, then leads me to one of my next questions is that you will be staying on or taking a brief um, away from the Yiddish Book Center and then you will be with us as a fellow beginning in mid-September. That is correct. um, Which is great because that will allow you to further uh, continue the, uh, you know, the opportunity to engage with Yiddish. And I gather you're going to work in the area of translation as part of our translation initiative. That is correct. Um, is that is the literature, the culture? Tell me a little bit about what draws you that in that to direction. translation? Yeah. Um, well, as I said, I've always been in a, uh, a situation. Uh, in growing up, I've always been in multilingual environments or bilingual environments where I've I've had to act as intermediary uh, often when in Holland it was for my parents um, in Israel it w- we lived on a bilingual kibbutz so there was always some form of tri- translation going on um, and then later on I went to a trilingual school where everything was done in um, either in French or Dutch or in English so it just became something that I became very used to and then I realized later on that that translation is this great thing that allows knowledge to be accessible by others that might not be. And then uh, that obviously fits very well with my interest in Yiddish because there's a huge amount of Yiddish literature that isn't translated. And so that is essentially this you know, treasure of knowledge that is accessible to a very, very limited number of people. Mm-hmm. And... That's what draws me to translating Yiddish, is that it's 
even if no one's interested in it. Um, even if no one's interested in it, at least I will be able to make knowledge accessible to someone else. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to, in some way, not directly teach someone, but, you know, allow them to learn for themselves, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. I mean, yeah. to be able to access the literature um, is very important in understanding yeah. um, modern Jewish culture. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And quick question, if this is an easy one to answer in a quick way. Um, yeah. Where do you see Yiddish in your life going forward? Um, well, I've actually, well, after after the fellowship, I plan on doing a MA in translation. Um, hopefully, uh, it's, it's very hard because I... I have this five-year plan in my head that, that often it doesn't really make any sense because it's just a, a number of goals that you set yourself up towards, but then how often you actually want to get to those goals is a different story. But um, I don't know. Uh, I, I would, I mean, I would love to be able to continue to pursue Yiddish, and I would love to be able to, um, you know, make it a part of my life and, if possible, make it the way I earn a living. Um, whether or not that will be the case is unclear. Um, after this, when I do my MA in translation, I was hoping to focus on a Yiddish topic. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know. I don't know, really. Well, Ask me again in a year. I will. I didn't, and as is the case with all of our alumni, um, it's really fun and interesting and heartening to see where all of you take it and to yeah. amazing places. And the idea that somebody has a five-year plan that includes Yiddish to me <laughs> is an incredibly wonderful thing. So um, I'm delighted to finally get to sit down with you, and I look forward to working with you in the year ahead. As do I. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome, Michael. Thank um, you. It's great to have you here, and I'll ask the first question. What drew you to Yiddish? What drew me to Yiddish? Well, my grandmother always had Yiddish books in her house. She still does. She has a great knowledge of Yiddish. Um, my, uh, both my grandmothers speak Yiddish, but one is a real sort of cultural Yiddishist, and her house is filled with Yiddish books and movies and music. And I always delighted to hear her speaking Yiddish, and she would perform it as she was. She's an actress. Um, that perhaps is what interested me originally in the language. But since then, I've just grown to be fascinated with it. Um, I'm a theater director. It might be something I'd like to work with in the future. There, is, there are such treasures in the Yiddish dramatic literature. And that would be wonderful to put on a piece in the original, perhaps. Um, but really, it's not about my career. I, I'm just really taken with the language, it feels very natural to me, um, more than any other language I think I've done. Are you good with languages? Yeah, languages have always been my thing, I think. I've always enjoyed learning them, and but I've never had one that I've, you know, before going to this program and entering it as an intermediate, I only taught myself Yiddish, um, but that proved to be enough because somehow I just gained facility in the language easily. It just felt um, like it was waiting to 
be put inside me all this time, sort of, the sounds of the language and the feeling of it. I, I sort of already had it, and it was just a matter of um, really learning the structure and behind it. But, I, yeah. Has it been hard to learn all of the grammar and the structure? It hasn't. No, it's been, I think, easier than any other language. I came at it with knowledge of German and Hebrew, both of which I've taken a good deal of. And Yiddish, of course, is quite different from those languages, but it draws from them, and it has its own sort of magic about it, which, uh, which I was uh, eager to sort of grasp. Um, so I just I sat in my room long hours reading from a Yiddish textbook and reading from Yehoish's translation of the Hebrew Bible into Yiddish, which I bought last summer when I was here for a week at the Yiddish Book Center. And I learned from those texts and came here, and though I really never had a long Yiddish conversation with anyone before coming here, somehow I got here and just started speaking with people. Wow. That, to me, is amazing and fascinating. I, I will arrive in the morning when all of you are arriving for class, and it just blows me away that you're having conversations in Yiddish. You're people that have only been here for what now? You're in your fifth week, yeah. fifth or sixth week, M many of whom are beginner Yiddish learners. Um, but it just, it seems to be a sort of fluid process for mm. you. Is that true? Yes, it is. And it's great fun to speak with each other in Yiddish. It's puts the conversation on sort of a different plane. You have to work a bit harder than you would in English, so you can't quite say everything, but the things you do say are sometimes more interesting or more funny. Um, and we've really, we really try to make it our own, I think, and we have been making it our own, which, which is very cool in this generation that we can do that. I think in maybe the prior generation, a lot of people... <sighs> I've read one scholar who said... Um, it's David Katz, he said, he's talking about the various reputations of Yiddish, and some say it's too right, too left, too dead, and we're not really struggling with those as we speak the language. It's just Yiddish, it's just ours, and it can be ours if we um, devote ourselves to it, as we have been doing. And, yeah. Oh, it's um, a lovely sentiment to say that it is yours because, again, I see and hear all of you singing and mm. dancing and taking on the other aspects of the culture mm. while you're here in different parts of the program. And I know you were here for another one of the Yiddish Book Center's programs, um, TENT. Uh, you were a participant in TENT Creative Writing. And I wonder, um, you know, sort of it sounds as though you knew Yiddish before attending that and um, – now with your studies here, how does Tent and the Yiddish, you know, program inform your understanding of modern Jewish culture? Tent and not Yiddish, uh, not, not having to do with Yiddish, just Tent. Uh, um, both. It's a, that was a very uh, yeah, okay. wieldy kind of <laughs> non-question question, but I'm just yes, how, you know, one Jewish informs sort of the other. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yes. Um, well, I didn't know Yiddish before coming to Tent. I really I discovered more of the sort of the excitement behind Yiddish and that young people were studying it while I came here for Tent and then took on a self-study of the language and then came here for Steiner. But um, in terms of how Tent and how Yiddish, how can that can inform our modern Jewish identity as young people, uh, the word that comes to mind, which is a word 
they use in Yiddish to mean that something's a real pleasure, as they say it's a mechaya, um, which means it's a life giver. Mm, and I've heard from some people that that comes from a messianic prophecy that when the Mashiach comes, he'll be mechayeh hametim, that he'll revive the dead. Um, but I don't think it needs to mean exactly that. I think the idea of bringing life to someone or to something, bringing life, mm, reviving, is so much a Jewish thing. Um, and you don't have to be religious to have that ideal in your life of bringing life. Um, I think that's really what Judaism, being Jewish, is all about, is that the culture, the tradition, you inherit it, and then it's reborn inside you, and you can make of it what you want. Um, and it, it's given new life in every generation, not only in every generation, but in every new person who is born into this tradition can take it and can breathe it in and breathe out what is most natural to him or to her. Um, so that idea of not just a, a dormant tradition, but of a life-giving tradition um, and a mutable tradition, I think that's so much a part of what Yiddishkeit is all about. And that comes out in just these explorations of culture that we do in tent and through our study of the Yiddish language. Yeah. So as somebody who is interested in both theater and creative writing, obviously, yeah. and the language, and I would imagine that being able to read and, and to understand Yiddish will give you access to a more holistic understanding. Is that true for sure and a more substantive understanding um yeah it opens all kinds of new doors and new treasure boxes i mean you come into the yiddish book center and you just discover what what wonders there are in this language what's been created in it until a few years ago um when i first discovered uh, the first Yiddish novel that I read, which was Debrider Ashkenazi by Yud Yud Zinger, I.J. Singer, the brother of Isaac Besheva Singer. Um, before I read that novel, before I came across it, I didn't know that in Yiddish, really, there were sophisticated novels. Um, I thought it was more, you know, I heard a lot of sort of folk stories of Helm growing up and that sort of thing, which are wonderful, too. Um, but it contains such multitudes, Yiddish. And now I've forgotten the question, but, oh, yeah, about how, how yes, um, there's just, there, there's a world of knowledge, uh, a living world of knowledge in Yiddish, and of knowledge and of culture and of creation that um, just waits, I think, to be newly looked at um, and things to be added to it because since it is this living language that I'm talking about, you know, it's not a dead language. People speak it and learn it and love it. Um, new things can be created in it, not just about it. And that's something that's been really exciting about this program, too, is the actual creative work I've been able to do. I didn't expect I'd be doing creative work in Yiddish, um, but I have been. Um, for one of my projects working for the center, I'm creating new Yidlibs, which are Yiddish Madlibs. They're entirely in Yiddish um, and sort of Jewish situations. A Freilich Hasanes won a happy wedding and uh, De Gansevelt is a theater is the name of another scene. Uh, the whole world is a theater. And they're in Yiddish. 
and I've written lyrics for a song in Yiddish, a sort of love duet between a student studying Yiddish and the language itself, and they're singing to each other. And hopefully we'll be performing that at the talent show and putting music to it, me and the other members of our music club. And yeah, that's been really exciting. Any thoughts about where where this will play out or how it will play out going forward? Yes. Well, as I said, I'm a theater director, and really so little Yiddish theater in Yiddish happens outside of New York and other major Jewish centers. I come from Detroit, and we probably haven't had a Yiddish play in Yiddish there for decades. Um, so it'd be very exciting to do something like that and to get other people interested in the language and discovering it, as people have done for me. Um, not only my grandmother, but other people I've encountered in college. Um, a woman named Deborah Kaplan, who... We know her well. Yes. An alumni of the Steiner Summer Yiddish Program. Right. And while she was a grad student at Harvard, where I studied, she put on um, a night of scenes from Yiddish theater that I participated in. I didn't know Yiddish at the time, but I learned you know, my words, and we did it in Yiddish. And one of the most exciting things was during this program, when we went to New York during Steiner, we went and had a theater workshop with Deborah Kaplan, my old director, and one of the scenes she brought for us to work on was a scene from Greenfelder, Greenfields, which was one of the scenes I performed in with her many years ago. So that was so exciting, and I did it again on stage with her and surrounded by a new bunch of Yiddishists, not something I'd ever thought I'd do, and it sort of showed me, um, you know, people think of theater as ephemeral. It comes and it goes. And maybe people once thought of Yiddish that way, that it's disappeared. But these things um, really are eternal, I think, these memories. And they can be revived and added to every day. And that I learned that on stage doing this scene I'd done years before. And here I was doing it again. Um, yeah. Breathing new life into it. It's an interesting thread. Well, um, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to visit with me. Um, and, thank you, Lisa. Um, thank you all great. for putting together this wonderful program. Well, thank you for being here with everybody else. It's very exciting. And um, I'll run upstairs and make sure you get a just-off-the-press copy of Pockentrager, which is devoted to Yiddish theater. Oh, very exciting. Past, present, and future. I think you will enjoy oh, it. An emesimachaya. A real pleasure that will be. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you very much. Welcome, Liza. Thank you. Great to have you here today. Um, I gather that your love for Yiddish song was sparked at an early age, and this may have been the entry into the world of Yiddish for you. Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it actually wasn't, I guess, the real entry into the world of Yiddish because I, like, I grew up listening to Yiddish music in the car. With my yeah. family uh, on the way to school and things like that. But um, it was my first experience of Yiddish that was that felt very powerful and not just like a background thing. Um, in other words, it felt less like family history and more like a personal connection. Um, so basically, um, at my synagogue, uh, the cantor, the head cantor at the time, was um, the president of the cantor's assembly. And... Uh, so there was a concert at my synagogue and, uh, with a bunch of cantors from around the country. And one of the things that was sung was by Mirabis Duchesne. With um, one of the cantors at my synagogue, uh, 
Arianne Brown, who performed with the Folk Peanut, and also Mike Burstyn. So it was in- incredible. And uh, it, I don't know what it was, but I just really, I was very, very struck by the song. And um, I, Cantor Ari is like, was my mentor. And so I decided I wanted to learn the song. So she helped me start learning it. And that's kind of, I de- just never stopped learning Yiddish songs after that. So we first met you um, at our great Jewish book summer program. Um, and I'll ask you a couple of questions about that. But I'm curious, did you ever think about pursuing a program such as the Steiner Summer Yiddish Program prior to being at the Yiddish Book Center? Or you know, did one feed the other? Or do you think that this was always a direction? Um, well, I didn't know about the Steiner program until I came here for Great Jewish Books, but I always knew that I wanted to speak Yiddish since I heard that song when I was 12. But, um, I, I, I may, I probably would have found out about the Steiner program otherwise, but I knew once I came here for Great Jewish Books that I definitely wanted to do the Steiner program. And when you arrived, are you a beginner or are you intermediate? Intermediate. Okay. And where did you study Yiddish before this? In college? No, uh, on my own. On your own. Wow. Yeah, I really, I I decided when I heard that song that I was going to learn Yiddish, and I started then. But because I was teaching myself, it wasn't very a very fast process. So I covered beginner Yiddish in about four years. <laughs> it was just slow. Like It was more like I learned songs, and I would give myself vocabulary lessons. But uh, that was more of the... So how is it to be in, in a class? I love it. I... I mean, I I did go to Yiddish Farm, though, for two weeks this mm-hmm. year. So that was like a, it was sort of like a review of the things I had taught myself, which was great. It helped me solidify some grammatical concepts. But I really, I mean, I really like being in a class environment. It's, it's much more structured. I've never really had to write in Yiddish. I mean, not that I can't write in the alphabet, but I mean, never had to write an essay or anything until now. And you have had yeah. the challenge of writing an essay while you're here. Yeah, multiple. Wow. Um, and do you give yourself a good grade for having arrived as an intermediate, being well, self-taught? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, at first I was really nervous because mm-hmm. Asya and Josh were a little nervous because they were like, well, yeah, you seem to know stuff, but, like, I don't know. But it's great. It's perfect. And it must be nice to be in a situation with others who are learning at the same time. I imagine that helps the process. Yeah, it does. Um, and... Did great Jewish books um, cause you to be more curious about Yiddish literature in terms of understanding modern Jewish literature? Yeah, it definitely uh, made me more curious. It, I, well, actually, I'm not sure if it made me more curious. It more just alerted me to how much was out there. It it gave me a, a, a more concrete understanding of the sheer number of Yiddish authors specifically Yiddish, but also Jewish authors that are accessible to people and to me now, especially that I'm learning Yiddish, because I think only 2% of Yiddish literature has been translated into English, which when I think of how much I read at Great Jewish Books, and then I think of that that, that that's only a small percentage of the 2% that's been translated into English, it's like really inspiring because there's so much to look forward to. And do you imagine staying with Yiddish? It sounds like you're pretty committed to it. Yes, I am. I, I mean, interestingly, I, before I came here, 
I was positive that I wanted to teach my kids Yiddish. But it's been an interesting thing talking with my peers about that because, you know, some people think that that's, like, a little crazy, like, being that stark of a Yiddishist because, you know, like, maybe Yiddish is more of, like, an academic thing, but it's it's an interesting, definitely something that I'm thinking about, like, keeping Yiddish as part of my life a lot. And, like, I like Asya a lot. Asya as an example that she teaches her daughter Yiddish, which is really cool. Like, you know, talk to a three-year-old in Yiddish is pretty cool. It is very cool. <laughs> and do you imagine trying to read some of the literature? Yes, definitely. And have you found any books while you're here? Yeah, I mean, I we've been reading a lot of poetry in Itai's class, which I really like. Um, I am really a fan of Celia Dropkin, mm-hmm. uh, so it was great that we got to meet the translators yesterday. But um, I, I'm also translating a fairy tale, but um, I'm not sure how good of a job I'm doing. <laughs> it's more of an assignment. But uh, it would be cool if, like, eventually I could sort of refine it and publish it or something. So um, Faith Jones was here yesterday. Yeah. Um, who, and she just worked on a translation of Celia Dropkin, yeah. correct? Um, what did you take away from that conversation? I mean, on the one hand, I was very, very amazed because she said she started translating the poetry when she was a second-year Yiddish student, which is, even though that's not what I am chronologically, that's what I am ability-wise. So made me feel like, oh, I could do stuff. But um, she's also been working on the poetry for 15 years. So that also gave me more of an idea of what it means to dedicate yourself to literature, which is something I do want to do, but, like, that seems very intense. <laughs> but I really, but more with regard to the content of what she was saying, I, um, I just really respected that she wanted the poetry to be readable in English and not seem not seem like a translation despite the fact that you know it's a translation when you read it like she want so she would she was willing to make compromises you know um in let's say she didn't use like the most literal word for like a specific poem because she wanted it to convey the message in a more English speaking way mm-hmm. which I really liked because you know translations are for people who can't read the original with ease so why would you not make it readable in the language you're translating it to which I just had never thought of it that way but it makes a lot of sense like I've read a bunch of Russian literature obviously in English and well not obviously but I don't speak Russian so <laughs> in English and I um I wouldn't have gotten that experience if the translator had made it very literal and not really understandable in English and while you've been here, I, I couldn't help but notice that I see you a lot in the book repository area, <laughs> in the Unquiet Pages um, exhibit area, unpacking the many, many boxes. I think people still think we don't, you know, receive books at a, a rapid clip, but we've gotten a lot this summer. Oh, yeah. Um, any surprises in working on doing the um, unboxing, if there were such a word? <laughs> yeah, well, the... The biggest surprise is what you just mentioned, that we get books almost every day, which is, I I really didn't know how many people were still so invested in preserving Yiddish literature. Like, you know, I guess I kind of thought, you know, Aaron Lansky went around and collected all the books, so he collected all the books, and now, you know, we're just kind of doing stuff with them. But no, there's so many more books, and so many more people who are just becoming um, acquainted with this idea that there's a place that wants to preserve these books and not only preserve them, but, like, harness the material for the future. And, yeah, I'm just 
amazed and really happy about it. And the um, geography of where they've come from is pretty interesting because you've unpacked yeah. books from Belgium? Belgium, Argentina, and, like, around the country. And do you have a chance to look and see what the books are while you're yeah, unpacking yeah. them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, of course we get a ton of Paris and Shalom Aleichem um, and um, um, a lot of other more common works uh, like encyclopedias and stuff. But um, there are also interesting comic books and uh, Soviet literature, and there are different, like, you know, the different orthographies will often be very striking. Uh, like, Shalom Aleichem will be written with, without a final mem, which is, I don't know, it's cool. Some uh, kids' books. Um, and I gather you are thinking about um, pursuing a career as a cantor? Yeah, I I think when I wrote that, I was more sure. What's interesting is I was probably more sure that I wanted to be a cantor when I was 10 than I am now. But I it's definitely still something I'm considering. Highlights from the program? Yeah, I mean, I I really, I guess, I think the main highlight for me is talking to people in Yiddish in the dorms. Like, it's just so great to be around people my age who want to speak Yiddish. I didn't really know that that was possible. So after the day is done, you've been to class, you've studied the, the, the language component in the morning and the cultural component in workshops, and you head back over across the driveway to the dorms, um, you keep speaking Yiddish? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And are you reading in Yiddish? In the dorms? I mean, not, not for fun, really, because it's very difficult still at this stage, mm -hmm. but um, we do have to for homework. Great. Well, Liza, um, thank you so much for joining us. You're it's welcome. great to see you back here in another one of our programs, um, and it'll be really fun to follow you and see where this all takes you. Thank you. You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. Our producer is Sarah Bleichfeld. I'm Lisa Newman. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.